Welcome to Public Finance Podcasts, brought to you by PF Magazine, the official magazine of SIPFA, the Chartered Institute of Public Finance and Accountancy. Public Finance Magazine and Workday recently assembled a host of public sector finance leaders for a roundtable discussion, exploring ways in which government departments can use agile financial planning and active financial management to meet the needs of the post-COVID world. The discussion was incredibly insightful and the following recording has been edited together to share some of the key viewpoints with you. So so one of the things that we've been uh, doing is it's, it's an effort across government. In fact, I'm sure it's involved many on this call as well, has been around uh, sort of setting out what it is that are the outcome um, and getting understanding of where are they now? What are the trajectories that you want to achieve? And using that as the basis of core financial planning um, across government. And I think what I probably would say is that in the last few years, we probably allowed a bit too much of a, a focus on inputs and not quite enough focus on, on, on outcomes. And this is trying to redress, redress that balance um, so that that actually you can understand what is the state of your public services across the different areas. But also, where are the outcomes that you need to achieve that are cross-cutting, that aren't just sitting within a single you know, arms length body or a single department? So historically, um, you know, a lot of government departments have worked in silos um, and, you know, not d- data and information sharing has not been particularly joined up. Um, and I guess, um, I guess, you know, it feels like there's, there's an increased need for that, for the sharing of not just the sharing of data and information, but understanding what that means for things that happen down the chain. Um, and it certainly feels like that's a, a bit of a common thread. What you're saying, John, is absolutely right. It's it, even within, and perhaps even particularly within arm's length bodies. If you, if you imagine that departments don't talk to one another, arm's length bodies certainly don't talk to one another. Um, uh, so, so in my particular sector of museums and art galleries and, and, and general um, heritage, every single one of the national organisations does this thing differently. So the Science Museum will do it differently. The National Portrait Gallery will do it. There. And I think, you know, one, I, I think I described it to you, John, as, as an advice gap. You know, in the financial services yeah. sector, the, 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 you know, the kind of poorer communities, the, the Bs and Cs of, of, of the world, but the, uh, don't have great financial advice. But that's also true of our sectors. So, so the smaller organisations, the smaller galleries, the smaller organisations within our groups don't have great financial advice. And what that translates into is is a multitude of approaches to things like treasury. Absolutely, what we found when we did the balance sheet review, um, and we found that there were, there are examples of really best practice in in some areas like managing contingent liabilities or uh, recognizing uh, knowledge assets or intellectual property. But then there are gaps, um, as you said, um, and so. Um, well, we've been trying to identify these and set up some centres of expertise that all public bodies can use. So one of the ones we've just launched is a, a contingent liability, a central capability, which is trying to fill a gap um, for managing uh, contingent liabilities in particular. Um, and so you build up uh, expertise across the public sector. I think there are real advantages though, to the way we're working. So when we look at our ability to sort of engage and be inclusive, actually that's much more substantial than it was before. 
we used to hold, you know, you hold an in-person meeting, you hold an in-person event, you know, your, your, your natural limit on numbers, I don't know, maybe a hundred people, a couple of hundred people yeah. for a large, for a large event. Uh, whereas now we're hosting online festivals, uh, where thousands are attending and actually we're delivering content for professional development. Uh, we are promoting sort of new things that we're producing and you can build a real community. And I think that people are engaging online in a way that, you know, wasn't it just just wasn't there before and all the technology actually it's technology that we already had yeah it's just that we didn't you know we preferred face to face so we did we didn't turn it on so there's without a doubt you know significant downsides of the current way of working but i do think that when we come out of this at the end if we really think about it, i'll end up with something that was better than before so i think tech has been fantastic and it has opened up doors for opportunities like say you can now have sessions with thousands of people where it was 100 maybe in math last time. But I think this is a really good example of where you can't just rely on the technology. It is the old adage of this human plus machine. You know, and we can't forget something like this, the working from home scenario, the remote working, maybe the two or three days back into the office, when, you know, July, August, whenever life gets back. You know, it's really getting that, that, that people concept in there with the technology being the enabler. Changing working patterns um, don't just make it difficult from our sort of day-to-day work. They they have an impact on our sort of planning. Yeah, it's presented an opportunity um, for the, the leases on the main office uh, in Birmingham are expiring this year. And it's given the business uh, an opportunity. It's a, it's a, it's a small entity which uh, is, is funded by the fees it charges to its customers. So getting best value for money for its fee payers is, is quite key. Um, and it's given the business an opportunity to look at the office accommodation that it needs, take on board what it's gained from remote working over the last uh, year or so. And they've changed the ratio now in the new buildings that they're looking to take on from a desk ratio of eight people, sorry, eight, eight desks for every 10 people, recognizing that there's going to be a hybrid approach. Uh, and going forward, we're only looking at five desks for 10 people. Some people need to be in the office, some people. Uh, we'll work at home and, and there'll be the opportunity to go in if you need to. Uh, so there's quite a significant cost saving there in terms of that city centre office accommodation. In the process, but now we've been experiencing so much change and we're remote as well. Um, you know, in fact, it comes back a little bit to the application of the right technology to free up the planning process. So it's not done to you, it's done with you, but it's simplified. You know, and I think I think good planning has to be, you know, it has to be fast, it has to be agile, it has to be swift to change. So that, for example, that scenario around the property is incorporated within the overall plan. But it's more importantly, it's got to be done by the people that understand what are the outcomes you're driving towards as well. So it can't be done to you, it's got to be done with you. And that is a technology challenge that I think has highlighted itself to a number of clients. I'm interested to know whether you guys, you know, what you struggle with perhaps around execution. Um, you know, are there challenges around accessing data and information that confirms you're on the right track? So I think I think that one thing the pandemic showed us was a, a, a sort of opportunities and also areas where where we were a bit bit, bit exposed. So actually, there've been you know there were some really innovative uses of data, but actually it was quite you know it was quite painful to get there. It, I think about things like you know getting food deliveries for vulnerable customers, but then actually that. That information was all shared. It was with the supermarkets, and they could they could do it. So I think that what we have got is where a bit of an expectation gap between what it is that we should be able to to do with using 
data and technology for delivery of public services and where we are right now. And part of the, what we're trying to do is looking to is looking to close that. Previously, cloud was this big barrier. You know, we can't go cloud. We've got our data privacy. We found ways around that. Even one of my clients who wouldn't even have team calls, it had to be di- you know dialing conference calls. You know, so we've taken them from an organisation where they could only have dial-in conference calls to actually now adopting a cloud solution. You know, so I think there's something about this has been an exciting period of time to really challenge organisations, keeping the compliance, keeping everything that they need in place, but moving forward with technology and with cloud. And I think that's really, really exciting. And the other thing I'd say is just be careful with data. And I think people are yeah. getting smarter to this now. There is a risk that people will just measure because we can. It's the value of pulling that information together in a central place, as a couple of people have said. The, the cloud technology has allowed you to put that in a place where people can share it just like this and discuss things and, and, and interact with it. The faster you can do that, pull that data together and put it in people's hands, the more agile organisations can be in responding to change. And um, the, the wiki can put up different scenarios as well, so a number of people have talked about uh, what if this and what if that happens? And I think that's the day of that we're talking about budgets and forecasts. I think the day of just having one version of the budget is long gone. People need lots of different scenarios to look at those risks and opportunities they're looking at and be able to share those different scenarios with the business, uh, the other parts of the organisation. So you can then discuss the risks and opportunities of those various scenarios. Absolutely agree with what people were saying about it's really important to pull data together. And um, that will enable uh, organizations to be more agile. Um, and an example of that is uh, something that the OGP Office of Government Property have been developing, which is the Digital National Asset Register. It's um, build up a digital uh, estate um, of all local national public estate data and socioeconomic data. And one of the other um, issues really to come out very strongly i think when we were looking at what what the what the early learning was from, from the pandemic response was the ability to transfer information and insight across the system as a whole if you think of you know public service delivery as a whole because there were so many different parts and players in motion at the same time for example um looking after the clinically extremely vulnerable uh where information on that was held in one place but needed to be in another place in order to do delivery stuff. So these are these are quite complex issues grafted on top of actually what are quite some long-standing issues to do with um, uh, how good and robust the underlying uh, systems are and how good and robust the underlying data quality. Um, the the treasury uh, looked into this and and uh, issued a report called "Getting Smart About Intellectual Property," um, and it found that there's about 104 billion pounds worth of unrecognized, unutilized value um so you know that there's definitely uh that underscores your point about the, the value of data insights that which you can and build on the untapped, untapped potential um and also just to mention that there's a whole knowledge assets program um that now we've, we've moved into bays which is looking at how we um overcome the barriers and and support innovative uh, use of that data and insights i'm interested just to talk a little bit about Measurement, you know, I, I think that historically government departments weren't renowned for, for fantastic sort of measurement against KPIs, and but, but that has changed in recent years. I think we are getting better. 
I think there's still a long way to go. I think it comes back to something that Vicky was talking about earlier. You know, it's very easy to measure the input, but how do you link that the output and the outcomes? And you know, quite often there's quite a time lag. So yeah. it's trying to measure what's important, but keeping an eye on what it is that's important. And sometimes you have to measure the the inputs and the processes if it's too soon or it's you know a long way down the line before you get to the outputs. We've talked a lot about the the, the, the annual cycle around the planning, the monitoring as you go. But actually the bit that you can that, that can be missing from that is the point at which you, you, you stop and you evaluate. You know, you you evaluate your your policies, your ways of delivering the things that might span multiple years. You know, were the costs as you expected? Were the benefits as you've expected? Um, what can be what can be done differently? Because actually, new interventions get sort of uh, designed and announced with quite high frequency. But the you know the ability to stop and check what worked, what didn't. Um, I think that that's a really important role that finance has got in sort of. Uh, working with working you know with, with others no, mine is a very quick point around um the cultural expectations and the cultural shift i think that organizations need to make and within their finance teams in particular um thinking more transformationally about the service they're providing and how they can partner better simplify and and if you like provide mechanisms so that people can self-service where they should and put that put that culture shift agenda in there to transform finance and operations so that they take more ownership you partner more and if you like drive drive better outcomes faster i think one of the issues and uh, maybe it's sort of civil service mentality is we do tend to be very cautious and actually sometimes we won't put ourselves out there if we do think that the risk um you know to the value for money um of a project failing is is too great and i think we possibly need to that cultural shift about actually daring to be a, a little bit um, more innovative to use tech and data and analytics is here now the cultural shift has taken place so there's a real desire to to lean on those things as well now collaboration seems to be growing not just in teams but across departments which is also uh, a really good sign but the message is you know tech is useful if it's used in the right way and for the right things you know it's about having access to the right data and insights and the right information uh, and then you know analyzing the right things and measuring the right things to ensure we're going in the direction in the in the right direction that seems like a pretty straightforward journey obviously some of the things we've heard today tell us that that, that it isn't always um and uh, but it's been a really really thorough and interesting uh discussion I'd, I'd, I'd like to thank you all personally for for taking time to engage with me before the discussion so we can get some of your examples and interests and bring those to the table and of course for for taking part today we know you're you're busy and we know we have tech challenges um but i'm really grateful uh ed and and, and rob I'm, I'm sure you just want to say a quick a quick few words to say thanks before we wrap yeah no i'm really grateful to to, to the audience and for you to, for putting this on so thank you very much i just wanted to um just just leave you um just, just thinking that you know planning can only work with effective accurate and timely information that goes into the plan so always consider to together um and and as as i think we all know that if they're aligned to your strategic priorities and you can justify any number in your plan and align it to one of your three or four priorities you're not in a bad place